Welcome to From the Heart with Daniel Groom and Dawn Lister of Anahata Yoga Centre. We are a yoga studio based in Leon C in Essex in the UK. And today we are talking to Beth Spindler. Beth Spindler is a yoga therapist, an author of Yoga Therapy for Fear. She has a second book on the horizon, which we're very excited to discuss also. She works for Yoga International, producing teaching and video content on a regular basis. And interestingly, is a professional jazz singer. If we're lucky, she may even sing us a song. You never know your luck. This could be our lucky day to have some music on the podcast. So welcome, Beth. Uh, we're really looking forward to chatting to you. So let's just check in together and see how we're all doing. Daniel, how is life for you? What's happening? What's occurring? Tell me your news. I am very well. Thank you, Dawn. Um, I've been watching, as I'm sure many people in the UK might have watched, um, but for those that maybe live overseas might not have heard of this yet, but a programme called It's a Sin, written by an amazing um, LGBT writer called Russell T Davies, and it chronicles a group of friends in the 80s that um, are kind of coming to terms with who they are and also navigating their way through the AIDS pandemic at the time. And it's just the most amazingly beautiful, life-affirming, deeply traumatic and sad program I've ever seen in my life. It's just, it's just, it's like someone kind of emptied out parts of my brain and put it on screen <laughs> and it's just yeah just it's just a wonderful wonderful program really it's really hard to watch it's really triggering really upsetting but it's just one of those programs that's so deeply kind of gets under your skin I mean I watched it over a week ago and I'm still thinking about it constantly constantly you know so i believe um it is being shown um in america as well through h no um fox i think or hbo one of those two channels um or you can get it through channel four but i would just highly recommend watching it it's absolutely brilliant well it sounds um is it would it be fair to say it's quite cathartic to watch daniel um at the time when i was a, 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 a literally a, a sniveling mess um <laughs> yes it was quite cathartic however now I've kind of stepped away from it about a week and I've processed some of the traumatic stuff that I saw I'm actually thinking about it in a completely different context and just how amazing it is and how it's so it's so parallel with what's going on now within the current COVID pandemic and the way that people were treated in the 80s who had AIDS and the the way people were treated with early COVID signs, you know, and they weren't treated and there's still some not being treated now because of, you know, misinformation. And it's, you know, it couldn't be more relevant than, than, than right now to have come out. Wow, sounds cool. I'm, I'm, it's on my list because you told me about it, but I'm in the middle of watching This Is Us on Amazon Prime. And oh, I, it's wrung me out. It's like, it, it reminded me of the first time I watched Les Mis on TV. And you know, Les Mis kind of breaks you. 
And I remember even my husband crying at Lima's. You know, he, we came home from the cinema and he couldn't even speak. He literally couldn't even speak. He just went off and took himself to his room for half an hour or whatever and sobbed. And, and, and just, and I say, I remember saying to him, I just want to be a better person after watching Lemus. And uh, this is us, is about families. So it's about families and the connections. And it takes, you know, a, fam a, a, a person behaves X way. And then it takes you back to their childhood and their parents' childhood. And so you see all of the layers of trauma. There's a theme here, isn't there? You're talking about trauma today as well. Um, <laughs> so it was just all the layers of trauma that have created their behaviors. And it really, um, it opened, it's opened my heart. And the first season I cried all the way through. Literally, I had to pause a few times and like pull my jumper up over my face and just cry and cry and cry. And it was, it's really, it was almost like a, um, when I practice meta practice, you know, loving kindness meditations and your heart just bursts open with empathy and, and compassion. Watching this incredible piece of very very honest writing which is about race and sexuality and body image and you know class system everything has just been it's been the same so you know i would if you want to cry i've watched either of these or both both because they're going to make you cry so yeah it sounds like you and i've been having a bit of a telly week I, to the point where i've been staying up far too late and i'm really tired i'm really i need to get an early night in I'm going to ration the episodes because there's five seasons. It's ridiculous. <laughs> anyway, enough about hammering on about telly. Beth, how are you? How are things with you? I'm doing well. You have out. You both have outclassed me so by so far uh, in terms. I, I've been uh, watching old comedies, just trying to trying to stay afloat these days. So uh, uh, so I we decided to go back and watch the. Your show of shows, uh, my husband and I said we had never really seen those. They're really pre-us a bit, and, but uh, it, just laughing, just enjoying brilliant humor. So That sounds better. That's why I need, I need to put on some Billy Connolly. That'll make me feel better. Anything yeah. that makes you laugh. Billy Connolly's a really famous Scottish comedian. It sounds a little bit more healthy, doesn't it? A bit more laughing than all this heavy stuff we've been... Oh, I've been, I've been watching Shit's Creek. Well, that's funny. I love, <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's, it's perfect because every episode is 20 minutes long. So you can just think, oh, I'm just going to just watch one, you know, just sit there. And then three hours later, you've watched kind of half the whole season, you know. But it's, yeah. it's just, it's comedy gold. It's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> It's yeah. so relevant, isn't it? So relevant. Marvelous actors. Marvelous actors. Yeah. yeah. Yes. And they're all so. related. I didn't know that. Like the dad and Dan and right. yeah. uh, Tyler. Ty Tyler. I know. I'm a little bit in love with David. I love him. <laughs> the scene where he dances for his husband to be, I oh my God. It made me cry and laugh all at the same time. It's the most honest genuine oh my like we need to move on this is enough talking about telly let's move on <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness hey, tell us Beth. tell us well we've invited you on the podcast to talk about fear and trauma and about your book but let's start with finding out a little bit about you and how you came to be involved in the yoga world and how you come to do what you're doing yeah um i actually started as a as a pretty young child, um, and it wasn't because I had my 
I, I came from a, a family of my preacher's kids and very kind of uh, strict background, but uh, I, I found myself really attracted to yoga. Even I, I well, I started with Lilius Yoga and View on 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 PBS uh, when I was a little girl, and even learned to braid my hair down one side just like she did. I didn't I, I, and, and do all the, all the, all the stuff, wanted to emulate her when I was probably about nine, 10. And then my sister and I went to a, um, uh, a community building that was having yoga. And it, where we grew up, it was considered basically dabbling with the devil. That was, you know, <laughs> so, so, uh, um, so did that and, and, uh, um, I ended up at some, at some point I was told later, I was teaching yoga to my church youth group and probably could have gotten in serious trouble for that. But, uh, but, uh, somebody reminded me that I was doing that, um, uh, met my husband, he and I became seekers and tried all kinds of different things ended up i uh got a uh, we managed to move out of the midwest to um we said san francisco we want to move up around right to the san francisco area and i got a jazz grant uh through the national endowment for the arts and we moved to uh out to the west coast where i was singing in clubs and and uh, hotels and and uh, and came across uh, Eknat Hishwarm and uh, and his um, his writing and he happened to be nearby and we went to his lectures there but I mean his words are if you haven't ever read anything Hishwarm the clarity the humor uh, he's, he is so articulate and, and clear. Well, he was an English literature professor when he came over on a Fulbright scholarship. And so he, he is a communicator uh, um, like none I've ever, ever met. The first and, yoga book I ever read was his interpretation of the Bhagavad Gita. Um, it's beautiful and it's still one that I always go back to you know it's almost like you read it and it's the first time that you've ever been exposed to something like that and it's just so you know the the right the, the interpretations are so powerful and and there's so little said but it means so much <laughs> yeah, and, 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 and so ecumenical here we came from a, a you know a, a Christian background, and my husband said, "I never understood what uh, Jesus was saying until I heard this Hindu Brahmin talking about the Beatitudes. It just was what it, it resonated. It was clear, and uh, he did that with he he had uh, translations of the Dhammapada." Um, uh, nearly every spiritual tradition and had such a grasp of, of, the, of, of, the, of that gestalt, that whole, whole, um, whole thing that we're looking for. But um, Ishwaran, we didn't practice any, um, any asana. He didn't have any emphasis on any 
physical practice, breathing practices, any of that. As a matter of fact, he sort of wanted us to steer away from that because he had that understanding that the Western world was going to grab onto that, uh, that yoga means doing stuff with your body. Um, he's right. <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> that, uh, that became what it was all about. And, uh, and so I, I had been doing a lot of physical practice and sort of, I was sneaky when, when, we, when we lived in the ashram and did my own uh, did my own practice and all just because it hurts to sit for a lot of hours and meditate and meditate and meditate and, and, and you need to do the, the physical self-care um, so uh, so Ishwan, we were there for, for a number of years then moved, uh, moved back here here uh, uh, I started doing some study in the, um, uh, in the Iyengar tradition and um, did that for a number of years, um, and uh, then branched out into uh, oh, um, a lot of the, the that's when the flow practices were coming in into into style with Shivaraya and and uh, and John Friend and and um, uh, but in the midst of all of this. Uh, there was the thread that there was something deeper therapeutically than just being able to do cool stuff with your with your body and, and became familiar with the um, with the branches of Krishnamacharya uh, Krishnamacharya's teaching and um, and the Desikachar lineage and and then moved into Phoenix Rising and, uh, and the Himalayan Institute. Um, uh, I studied with them for about 12 years. So um, the combination of the Raja Yoga, the, the really focusing on, on the meditative end of stuff, then uh, into more of the Hatha yoga tradition, the, uh, the, what we see most traditionally, Tantra, a whole lot of Tantra at, um, at the Himalayan Institute, which is not, uh, not, what, uh, not what most people think, uh, think it is. Uh, <laughs> and of course, uh, the exploration of the Dhamma. Um, and all of that together, um, I, I am a full on Mud. <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I uh, um, have enjoyed study in all these areas, and and uh, and hopefully um, have uh, and I hopefully, I hopefully through my books and through my teaching, I help pull it all together because to me, it's all it's all one thing. Mm. Thank you. It's so interesting. And it's lovely to hear somebody that's really um, explored lots of different layers of practice. And I think there's such a gift in that, isn't there? Because, you know, no one human being is completely linear. We don't have just one path, one way, one experience. Um, and 
we're, we're diverse as beings in our experience and the way we, re- the way we, re- we respond to experiences in our lives. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if, if we limit our view as practitioners, you know, that's kind of limiting and what we can do for ourselves and, and for others. Um, so, you know, it's great to hear that you've had this wide and varied foundation of practice that you've built on throughout your whole life. I, I myself, I kind of um, began really m- with with the meditation practice sitting from the buddhist tradition sitting along with a more physical shivananda type practice and Mm -hmm. then on like yourself to do study with the iyengar because i felt the technique was missing for me i kind of wanted that maybe coming from my own background i felt like i needed a bit more structure and then that felt too structured after a while so you're always changing aren't you like and now as I've got older, I'm kind of like, oh, I just want to lie on a mat for a while, maybe go for a walk and meditate. And, and then that'll change again. You know, I'm sure that'll change again when I'm through this blooming menopause. <laughs> <laughs> wow. A, wow. Yeah. Yeah. When I, it, when I look at, at what I was into uh, you know, 25 years ago and how I feel now in my 60s, it's a, it's a, uh, it, it's vastly different, but what mm. the emphasis uh, what a daily practice looks like. So. Yeah. Um, my experience of coming to yoga primarily was exactly the title of your book, Beth. <laughs> I was living in deep fear and anxiety. Um, I had really quite strong addictive issues um, that was all rooted back to fear of my sexuality and my gender conformity and having to fit a a masculine world when I wasn't a masculine man. Um, and that was the reason that I went to yoga in the first place. So when I read your book, it was like a homecoming. Um, it was really, you know, this is stuff that I've done and stuff that I am still learning about 20 years on since I got on that mat the first time. So the fact that you've condensed it into something that is so easy for someone to read but it's so deep in its in its knowledge and its experiential practices and also in its in its kind of different lineages that you've pulled it through from you know it it is such a powerful book and would you like to maybe tell us a little bit about what led you to write this book Uh, i was asked (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which is interesting. I, I, I've been writing articles uh, for Yoga International for quite a while, and uh, out of the blue, I, uh, I had um, uh, Sarah Hanlon at at, uh, uh, at Singing Dragon approach me, and she said, "Would you like to write a book for us?" And I said, "Well, what the heck? Sure, yeah, <laughs> yeah." Uh, I, 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 and and uh, you know, I knew there was a book in there, and, uh, and it was. Um, it, it I, I can't say it. It just uh, it flowed out. That that isn't the case. There are there are days of, of head banging and and, uh, and and super frustrating times, and and uh, and always the back and forth with editors and. And, uh, do I really want to do this? No. But glad uh, right, I did. It's it's uh, it's opened so many so many doors, and I've met 
people from all over the world doing NASA and it's lovely. I think um, when I saw the title of your book, I thought um, it was quite profound. I thought, oh my God, you know, we live in a society that is deeply fearful. People are very fearful, but often un completely unaware that they're afraid because actually the fear is showing up in a different way. Um, it might be showing up in their addictive behaviors or their interpersonal relationships or um, the way they manage their life. And that they, they not, they're not really ever really at home with themselves. They're not at peace. You know, they don't have um, they don't have a kind of that lovely spacious feeling that comes when you're calm and you're peaceful and you're, you're kind of resourced up and you're constantly being triggered. Um, and, and so I thought, God, that's, that's such a powerful thing to have, have, have thought, you know, actually, uh, we all know as practitioners, hopefully, that yoga is incredible for our nervous system. Um, but maybe people haven't thought about, well, actually, we could target these practices to help people who are struggling and that yeah. they're struggling because they're in deep fear. And that fear can come from all different kinds of places, from their childhood wounding or things they're fearful about that may or may not happen in the future or other things. Could, could you speak a little bit about, a little bit about, about that and how you, how you came to you know, really putting together these ideas of, well, these practices are specifically good for that and maybe talk a little bit how that came about? Well, the, we hear uh, trauma is just a... a, a huge, huge buzzword. And uh, a, lot of, a lot of people veer away from saying, oh, I, I, I had this trauma or that trauma. They don't want to go to that level. But I think everyone can relate to fear. Mm. I, 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 I know no one who doesn't experience fear in one of its manifestations. Mm. And uh, and that's why the title of the book um, yeah, is not about treating different things, but treating facets of the same thing mm -hmm. that uh, uh, yoga therapy for fear, treating anxiety, depression, rage, as, uh, you know, that, that working with those aspects address those components of ourselves and how we are most likely to uh, to uh, um, to feel our fear or to to be in our fear, um, and uh, and so that's why I went that that way. Also, it's that's it's it's from an Ayurvedic um, yogic perspective too. How we feel those things. Could you speak a little bit about the Ayurvedic perspective? Could you explain how that's kind of rooted? It's absolutely fascinating, and I know some of our re our listeners are going to love to hear about it. Okay, well, uh, when we think of how how we're feeling fear, uh, often or or when we're highly stressed, okay, or or when we have experienced trauma, there is the fight response, the flight response, and the freeze response. Those are each associated with the three main doshic types. Often, you know, when I'll, when I'll, uh, I'll, about the quickest way to do an Ayurvedic assessment with somebody 
and looking at, at uh, whether they tend to be um, an airy, uh, windy, vada, scattered person, uh, that the, the more air wind dosha, or whether they tend to be the fiery, uh, fiery or pitic type, uh, uh, the pitta type, or the uh, or or the more earthy, watery, cuffic uh, type. The very first question you can ask is, how do you stress? You know, how how is it that you stress? And if they say, I I go into anxiety and panic attack, and um. You know, I, I I forget everything, and I I want to run away. Well, that's that flight response. Yeah, that's mm -hmm. also um, that's also that uh, that uh, that anxiety response. Okay, and the and the and of course, when you think of flight, fight, that's pitta. And a lot of people would say, well, that's not fear. Heck yeah, that's fear. That's 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 fear. That's uh, you know, uh, you're coming at me. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna fight back, uh, or I have to, or I'm gonna get in my car and I'm gonna drive like crazy, or I'm gonna you know, though that that response and um, and a, a cuffic type, you know, they can be bad. All of these can be balanced. Uh, and be very positive attributes, but when they're out of balance, that tends to be depression, and that tends to be that phrase, I just can't, mm -hmm. I just can't, and all of these are manifestations of fear, deep stress, that, um, that show up in different ways in different people. Are we a mixture of all of them? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like uh, you know, and, and it changes with our age, and it changes with in in uh, it changes with uh, um, situations that we're going through. Sometimes we might be very depressed by something, while another time we might have very high anxiety about it. So we're all a mixture of those things, but uh, we want to look at addressing how it's manifesting negatively. Mm -hmm. um, and not try to fix our underlying natural tendencies, right? They're, 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 they're really good things about, about every one of those. I won't go into too much detail on that, but that's, uh, but it's not all, not all negative. And the, 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 I was just going to say yeah. the, 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 the kind of, the overriding kind of theme through your book is actually understanding the the nervous system and the vagal nerve response and how the response to the nervous system plays out through those doshas or those reactions that you have to that fear um and I thought it'd be really interesting for people to maybe hear a little bit about the vagal nerve and your kind of your 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 explanation around how there is what it does for us, but then how we can learn how to tend and befriend that that nervous system. <laughs> yeah, 
and, 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 and we can do it in very natural, uh, uh, very organic ways. Our, our, all you have to do is watch how your cat or your dog tones their nervous system, don't tones their vagus nerve, and they'll do it by that yawning, oh, ah, stretch that they'll do. You know, you think of the, the cat in front of the fireplace or, 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 uh, or the, that sort of movement. And we do that very naturally to help tone the vagus nerves. Vagus nerve is that they're, they're the 10th cranial nerve. And uh, uh, they, uh, they are um, wired into all of our major visceral, visceral organs. And, um, and they control largely what we're looking for with uh, the vagal nerve tone is, uh, is to, um, is that, uh, is that we want to communicate parasympathetic response, parasympathetic rest, digest, I can meditate. I can calm down, uh, and uh, and so we want to tap into it uh, through various techniques. And a lot of the stuff that I use isn't like, oh, you have to do an hour and a half of of a practice. It they're hacks, you know. You can you you can they're life hacks. They're things that you can do in your car. They're things you can do fairly simply. That are 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 gonna are going to immediately make you feel better. One of the recent things that I I learned about vagus nerves uh, is that they conduct ten times the amount of afferent data, which means from your body to your brain. So you want to talk about your gut brain. You also have a heart brain. You have it, these. There's this information going from your body to your brain, and there's ten times the amount of that information as there is from the brain back to those organs. Wow! It blows the mind, right? Mm -hmm. That it, it, it. We're not. We think of ourselves as kind of this head on a stick or something mm. that, that it's it's just detached and it's in control of it's in control of everything and 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 the brain's having to do all of this stuff when the truth is more often we are responding to how our heart our liver our kidneys our 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 lungs our uh, digestive tract are what the information that they're giving to the brain saying, oh, I'm distressed, I'm, you know, I'm, uh, you know, or, or it's okay, it's okay. You don't have to get all up into this, uh, into this sweaty, sweaty mass. Um, so, um, so does that, uh, does that kind of, uh, Oh, I wanted to, there's a fabulous quote. We all know, most of us, anybody in, you know, in this field has heard of, of course, Basil van der Kolk in his book, The Body Keeps the Score, huge, mm -hmm. huge bestseller. Mm -hmm. 
Brene Brown took that a step further. And when we talk about this amount of communication from the body to the brain, she says, the body keeps the score and it always wins. Mm. Powerful. It always wins. Mm. Yeah. You know, and, and so uh, that's, that's what we're talking about when we're, we're talking about using movement, using breath, uh, using simple natural things that we do all day um, to, uh, to help our nervous system heal. And when our nervous system heals, everything else, everything else falls in line. I think um, I was talking to uh, some students about this last week, actually, about how when our nervous system's on alert, nothing else functions very well because it's kind of sending off these signals, isn't it? That we're not safe. So, you know, we're not safe. We need to be on the alert. We need to be kind of constantly on the lookout for danger, which may or may not even be present. It might be a perceived danger or a danger that's arising from, you know, fear that that's resting in, inside of us. Um, and, and, uh, and, and so then things like our organs don't function as well, our digestion slows down, our brains, you know, they, they, instead of being sort of lateral thinking and wise and taking things in context, you know, they go into this horrible sort of driven funnel vision survival mode. And so what you're essentially saying here is that when we use the practices in yoga, whether that be breath practices, meditation or movement, that, that the nervous system can be switched out of that space of heightened alertness into, as you said, rest and digest, and then and everything sort of calms down. Is that, is that, would that be fair to say? Oh, yeah, yeah. And more than things that people might think of as, as yoga, uh, mm. laughing, singing, mm. uh, simple breathing things that we do. Um, I talked about yawning and, mm. and uh, give yourself a big hug. That's the one that I always want to do. <laughs> it's a beautiful, beautiful way of of, of reconnecting with uh, with vagus nerve. Uh, ways that you feel. Some people say, "Well, how do I know when I feel uh, that that vagal response?" Uh, and that little tingle before you sneeze. That ooh. That's going to feel really good, you know? That's vagal uh, stuff. Um, orgasm. Um, uh, things like, um, oh, vagus directly affects how things taste. You know how you could eat in the, eat in the same restaurant twice and, one, and it'll be made the same and one time it'll, it'll mm -hmm. taste terrible and the next time, that's vagal again. Uh, uh, there's a new little device I saw that they uh, to tickle the inside of the ear. <laughs> That's also, you know, it's all those feel-good things mm -hmm. that uh, that uh, that help vagal tone. And when I, I I'm saying vagal tone, vagal, we used to think we wanted the heart rate to be slow and steady and even, but but uh, but. Uh, in truth, we want the heart rate to increase as we inhale and decrease 
as we exhale. And you'll find that athletes have a, have a wider variance. Uh, and of course, movement of all kinds are, are, uh, are, are, uh, are helpful in, in that aspect. Um, but, uh, but some of the things that, that are in the book especially are, uh, and that I've learned since, uh, of course, you, you, you go on from there. Um, and, and people have found extremely effective and, and not, uh, and, and it don't take a, a ton of time. And, and that's just the beautiful thing, isn't it? We don't have to be sitting on the mat for an hour, hour and a half, or doing a really long meditation. Actually, in the moment, we can move our brain, our awareness to settle on something else. You know, to take it out of that heightened alert state into just this beautiful peaceful. I mean, I like to be in nature. That kind of does it for me. So even just looking out the window to my bird feeder and the tree, that will I can just feel my. It's like oh yeah, it's like space opens up inside you. And you know, what maybe going for a nice walk, something like that. You know, you could be walking to work and your brain could be full of busyness and thinking about your day ahead. And actually, you could just say, you know, what I'm going to choose to not be thinking about what I've got to do when I get to work. I'm going to think about what can I see and look, there's another human being. I'm going to smile at that human being. And that that in itself is going to, you know, creates connection, doesn't it? And connection is something I believe that, you know, helps the vagal nerve and helps the nervous system. Yeah. I, it's interesting you you uh, bring up looking out at the bird feeder. I just wrote an article on, uh, on screen apnea mm -hmm. on uh, the um, stopping breathing when we are looking at screens and wow. uh, the latest uh, the, the, uh, the latest information I saw was that 80% of us can just stop breathing when we're scrolling or texting that we are holding our breath and uh, and when we are holding our breath, we are triggering our sympathetic nervous system. Mm -hmm. And that's that fight, flight, freeze mm -hmm. uh, business again. And, uh, and so it's so important to have something like, I look out at my bird feeder. Mm -hmm. I take a moment to, uh, uh, you know, I, I don't have to finish texting this entire uh this entire message i can I, i'm going to be thinking more clearly what i'm going to say especially if you're writing something that it might be a little edgy too uh it's it's it's, it's really good good to say i'm going to give myself uh, a calm break or close my eyes and actually take some long exhalation and long exhalations are going to be your number one easiest way to uh, to trigger vagal vagal response in just daily life. Just uh, utilizing ways of uh, taking a longer exhalation, and and some people respond better to uh, some ways than others. Some people like a breath count if I inhale to four and I exhale to eight, for instance. For some of us, if you're a little botic like me, 
uh, <laughs> you're, uh, you're, it, it's like after about two rounds, it starts driving me crazy. Like, I can't do this count. It's making me anxious. So it's a lot easier for me to do something like hum the exhalation, mm -hmm. which will lengthen, lengthen the ex lengthen the exhalation. Um, not put so much emphasis on take a deep breath. Because what is what is it we do when we take a deep breath, right? If you mm -hmm. say to someone, take a deep breath, <gasps> that's going right into uh, that that agitated mind. Mm -hmm. So just taking a little easy inhalation and then seeing if you can allow the exhalation to lengthen. Uh, some people will use the, the ujjayi technique of uh, where you narrow the back of the throat as though you were uh, you know, the, the classic as the fogging a mirror, but with your mouth closed, that. In order to consciously lengthen the uh, exhalation. And uh, there are a lot of uh, cool techniques. A lot of people study Buteco breath. Uh, and that's, uh, a, a, that's a whole school unto itself that I'm not going to go into. Uh, big time, but the but but what they they emphasize there is is the shortening of the inhalation, just taking a, a enough breath in, and it simulates how we sleep, which is fairly short inhale, long I find Brahmari is the one that I go to if. I'm feeling particularly stressed or anxious, um, and it it, it it seems to be quite a a crowd pleaser when you do it in a group environment because generally, even if the person doesn't want to make the noise, they can feed off the noise of what others are making as well, and therefore, you know, just that room of humming <laughs> seems to calm people down in some way, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and, and one of the ways I, I often I'll, I'll just uh, with if people get worried that it's not going to be the same pitch or that they mm -hmm. don't sing well, and just I don't care what the sound is, just hum it out, just hum it out. Uh, and sometimes we do exercises where we we try to rumble the tone down in the belly and kind of, you know a nice rumbly rumbly see if you can actually feel vibration in the belly can you feel it in your chest uh you know see where that is that's usually around your speaking range somewhere about here you know then up in the up in the head tones where we have people pretend that they sound like a mosquito right <laughs> <laughs> you know and really see if you can get that uh, vibration moving and usually people will come out of it saying wow I just feel like a day at the spa right? <laughs> I just I, I love the fact as well just making what we do playful they're not having to be a right or a wrong it, it, it's just just see what happens and the beauty of taking you back to that childlike state where actually you can just do whatever you like 
doesn't matter, you know, because no one else is going to judge you. No one else is going to say that that's right or wrong. It's just what happens, happens, and that's cool. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you can jiggle, you can wiggle, you can have a tantrum. And and uh, does it make it less yoga? No, no. It's it's all perfectly legit. And uh, and getting a group full of people to experience that playfulness. My, I, I had a um, student the other day who said, what I really want is to create a space for people to come and, and cry. And I said, why the hell do you want to do that? You know? It's okay to cry if it's a normal thing, but I don't know. I worked. I, I I got a very bad taste in my mouth at one point working with a teacher who insisted on putting so much emphasis on we're going to just focus on the not that it isn't important but that floor of the pelvis just just let's dwell on the floor of our pelvis and then and then we're going to do all heart center all heart center practice and by the end of the class people would be uh, would be crying and sometimes there are very good tears and sometimes I think it's like it's being pulled out of uh, mm -hmm. out of them and in my experience has been that you can get very much the same uh, the, the you get you can get the the same experience from laughing mm -hmm. And sometimes you laugh till you cry, mm. but uh, it's just an observation, and, a, and it's a, it's a personal a personal thing of mine. But uh, but uh, is it, I, was, I was just going to say, Beth, it, it reminds me as well of you know kind of yoga therapy school training one hundred and one is meet the person where they are. <laughs> You know, so forcing someone to have an emotional response yeah. is, you know, is really challenging for people, isn't it? You know, just let things happen as they want to happen, you know, and, 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 and don't be afraid of, you know, we're so lucky with the practice of yoga. And I think this is so clear that comes across in your book, Beth, is there's a million and one ways that you can tame your nervous system and you can calm your vagal nerve. You're just, you've just got a toolbox full of stuff and you just need to know when's the right time to pull it out or to know the right person who they are to pull it out for you sometimes and find it with you, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, sometimes some practices resonate with somebody and they say, this is just so great. And the next person will say, are you kidding? I hated that. That was Absolutely. awesome. It made me feel really stupid, you know? And, and so and, and, um, it's, it's we, we do. We have to meet people where they are and, uh, and, and look at their constitution and, 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 uh, and uh, that's the part of the yoga therapy thing is that uh, is, uh, is, is evolving with them. Mm -hmm. uh, in, 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 in where they are because they may come in with a very hard set mind 
of, of this is how I do. I want, uh, you know, a this practice that I'm going to do for this yeah, for for an hour each morning, and then I need one for the evening, and then I have it, you know, and 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 these are the things I would like to include. So um, yeah, it's uh, um, it, it it is. It's it's. I, I I'm glad you brought that up. It's very uh, very important to to be with be with where they are. I think all, all, all the conversations we're having with, you know, some really incredible, very experienced teachers like yourself, Beth, the, the thing that really jumps out to me each time is the simplicity of this. You know, really, the, the teachings are very simple. They're not complicated. And there's a lot of space given around everything for people to be. Um, and I'm really hearing this kind of whole um, ethos of, you know, we are, we are where we are. We're in a group of people maybe working together through a class, but, you know, there has to be space within that for you guys, you know, you students, you, you folks who we're working with to just, you know, to find what it is that you need and you can take from the practice to enhance your, your life. And, you know, I don't think, as you said, right at the very beginning, people, most people are, are experiencing fear on some level to a greater or lesser degree. And the practices that, you know, you're suggesting, the practices that, teachers are offering um, really give them the space to get to know themselves better because you know ultimately I believe our inner wisdom knows what we need I don't know how, how do you feel about that oh yeah and and the thing that we misjudge and it, 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 in uh, when we're dealing with depression or when we're dealing with anxiety or when we're dealing with uh, unresolved anger is that they are not diseases. Mm. They are trying to help us. Mm. They're trying to protect us. Mm. Yeah. yeah I, I listened to, um, you, know, you know, Gabor Mate, the um, spiritual teacher. Uh -huh. well, yes. Yes. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit in love with Gabor Mate. He's just incredible. And I, I'm, I, this, this past two weeks, I've been listening to pretty much everything he's ever written or re-listening, shall I say. And he, he said in his talk that I was listening to yesterday, he said, you know, ADHD, trauma, fear, addiction. He said, it, he said it is a natural response to an unnatural experience. And I thought, that's spot on. Like, if you don't know what else to do, you pick up habits that are going to help you to walk through your day. You'll become an addict. You'll become um, hyper vigilant. You'll become overactive in your brain and your body. Those are natural responses to a completely unnatural situation. Just thought, just hearing what you just said, it just reminded me of, of lovely Gabor. So so true. Yes, love love him, and uh, and, and have read quite a bit, but read more. Yeah, yeah. he's amazing. He is amazing. Yes. Listen, I really, I can't thank you enough for, for, for giving us your time today. It's been so interesting. There's, and there's so many more things we could discuss, but I'm, I am mindful of everybody's time. Could you just speak a little bit about your next book that's coming up? Give us a little sneak peek so we can all get excited about what's coming in the future. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and I, I did a course as well on this last book and it came out uh, January 1st, if anybody's interested in that. 
um, are, and uh, it's mainly we'll, techniques. We'll, sh we'll, share, we'll share the link, Beth, after as well, so people have got access to it and it will be attached to the podcast. Yeah, and the reason I bring it up is that I'm working really prior to the, the, uh, the upcoming book on, uh, on uh, the, the course, and it's, it, it has to do with, uh, with aging in the nervous system, and we're wrestling title uh, right now, but, and they won't let me use the word aging because we spell them differently here and there. So, <laughs> so uh, but, uh, but it, it has to do with that. It also has to do with um, issues, both positive and negative, of, of aspects of, uh, of, of growing older. And, um, and I, it seems to me that we're all kind of doing it, you know, it, it seems like something there's a whole beauty industry that will tell you otherwise. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. I think in the book about the whole beauty industry thing and, and, uh, and how it's all based on abnovation, the fear of death, you know, that we all have, of course, so, so is how we vote, uh, you know, whatever, it's uh, everything's based on abnovation. It's, it's, it's our big impediment. It's what keeps us from moving forward. And I'll deal with that, that in this book as well, the, the fear of, uh, the fear of dying and how, what a motivational factor it is and all that we're, all, all that we are, but, uh, issues that I, I'll talk about, I, I, you know, practical things like fall prevention, um, uh, it, dealing with uh, osteoarthritis um, and osteoporosis and memory, both in the positive and the negative sense, because I think a lot of times we forget that, uh, that our uh, it's not just that we're suffering from memory loss, we are suffering from memory gain. <laughs> you know, we have, or maybe we're not suffering, we're, we're, uh, we're bountiful in memory gain as we grow older. And we have so many, so many marvelous thoughts and memories that we're retaining. And uh, I think there's something to be said for shelf space. <laughs> you need the hard drive. Gotta gotta let go of uh, of a few things to move forward. I, I think it was um, that was a radio show I was listening to the other day with um, uh, 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 Zorba Pastor, and he was saying, he said we we all get caught up in uh, in in our uh, in worrying about being uh, losing our memories as we age. And he said, I work with these personal trainers that are 20, 22. And he said, not a single lesson goes by with these guys that somebody doesn't say, oh, I forgot to tell you this thing. Oh, I don't even remember where I put the key. Oh, you know, he said, the difference is as we age, we panic about uh-oh, I've forgotten something. I'm losing it, yeah? 
So, you know, it, it'll be stuff like that in the book. We'll talk about that. We'll, there, are, there are a lot of areas that, uh, that we'll explore. And again, mainly technique. Uh, a lot of a lot of uh, a, a lot of pictures, a lot of uh, how tos, and uh, probably a good deal on breathing practices and and all that I think are are beneficial for uh, for healthy brain. Um, so um, so I I I hope it will uh, will be well received and. and I'm, I'm positive it will be absolutely gobbled up. You know, I think aging and the fear of aging, you're spot on, is, is such a powerful topic. And, and I'm starting to see a little bit of a tide turn around people refusing to buy into it. You know, maybe not quite as much of a tide turn as I'd like, but, you know, refusing to, you know, primp themselves and change their hair and tie their face back and don't have tummy tucks. <laughs> You know, and, and actually embrace, I, I kind of, my, my mantra is, because my kids are regularly tell me to get Botox, which I think is flipping cheek, actually. But I, I kind of think, I say, but this is, these are my, like, this is a, this is a badge of honor. Like, it took X number of years to get here. I like exactly. <laughs> I, I like to see my body changing and my face changing. And it's just part of the, it's part of life, isn't it? I, I love it. I, lo I love that my hair is white and I love that, you know, my chin hair is now white as well. And it's, you know, great. It's, it's all normal. It's all healthy. And, and you know, why waste, why waste time going to have someone laser you and pull your face about and spend hours in the gym when you could be doing something more interesting, like living? I don't know. I'm really excited about that book. I think it, it sounds like it's going to be really important. Listen, thank, we always finish our chats with everybody by asking them how they look after themselves. You know, what's your you know, top tip self-care practice that you take on board every day that you just wouldn't let go of? Okay, yeah. Uh, my, uh, my daily practice, in the, I, 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 do, um, uh, I do some movement to help get both of my nostrils clear. Uh, that's an important thing. And then I do some breath work and I do some, uh, I, I uh, have been a meditator for 40-something uh, years. And um, uh, it's, uh, it, it is what keeps me whole. Um, um, the, any time that there's a lapse in, in my practices, I, 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 do, I also do a lot of other just physical stuff all day. I, 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 I work with weights. I do, I do, uh, you know, I walk a whole lot and all of those things. It's just, uh, uh, I've grown to love and they help keep my, keep my aging body strong. And mm -hmm. I, I love that stuff. Um, uh, but, you know, much of my practice too, I have to come back to the work in, uh, in trauma over and over and over again because trauma isn't something that you erase. Mm -hmm. uh, trauma uh, is, is always going to be there, but I love what uh, Peter Levine, uh, another one of my very favorite favorites to read along with uh, Gabor Monte and, and, and uh, so many in this field, he said the paradox of trauma is that it has the power to destroy 
and the power to transform and resurrect. Mm. And part of my daily practice is reminding myself of uh, you've been through some hellish things. And without those, I wouldn't have the compassion that I have to work with people. I wouldn't have the understanding. And so I have to say part of my daily practice is reestablishing uh, reestablishing myself in that place so that I'm of use. Mm. I, being useful is my practice. Mm. That's such a beautiful thing to say, Beth. And that quote, I think, you know, just speaks volumes to me. It really does. You know, the, the potential that an event or a situation that is traumatic for us can destroy us or lead us into our greatness is, you know, literally all within our mind, isn't it? <laughs> it's all, you know. Um, yeah, actually, in your nervous system. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally. And, uh, and that's what helps, helps bring it to our minds, so yeah. Absolutely. How beautiful. Thank you so much, Beth, for being here today. It's been an absolute honour and pleasure to hear you speak. And yeah, your book has done wonders for me. And I recommend it to everyone to go and read it and buy it because it's just, yeah, it's, it's, it's transformative. So thank you for all you've done and for being so honest and sharing with us today, Beth. Oh, thank you for your authenticity. It's a delight dealing with both of you. Thanks. Such a lovely thing. Thank you, Beth. So thank you so much for listening today. Um, thank you again for Beth and Dawn for being here. Um, if you enjoyed our podcast, please do go onto the Apple um, podcast app and write a review. If there's anyone you want us to interview, let us know. Even if you didn't enjoy it, please be honest and just let us know and we can make it better for you. So until next time, thank you so much for listening and goodbye. Bye now.